Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm so glad you're listening. Happy 4th of July, a day early. I know it's not till tomorrow, but I couldn't resist talking about it today. I've lived all over the world. I've said it before, but I grew up in seven different countries on four continents. I spent half of my life before I came to college outside the United States. And I can tell you with firsthand experience that no one has it as good as we have it here. We are extremely blessed. So when we celebrate our freedom and our national freedom and our national birth on the 4th of July, we truly have a whole lot to celebrate. We are so, so blessed. So as we celebrate, let's also remember, I wanted to start by reading the national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave? I sympathize with Thomas Jefferson, who said, How little do my countrymen know what precious blessings they are in possession of and which no other people on earth enjoy. We truly are blessed and have so much more than anybody else has, so much to celebrate this 4th of July. Freedom is not free, and we have to remember that. Well over one million U.S. soldiers have died over the course of this country's history to give us what we celebrate today, our freedom. Over one million soldiers gave up their lives so that we could be here this morning. And we need to remember their sacrifice and the fact that freedom isn't free and all they paid for the freedom that we celebrate. Our soldiers fought and died to achieve our national freedom in the Revolutionary War. Over 25,000 soldiers gave their lives in that war. Our soldiers fought and died to achieve freedom for all Americans in the Civil War. Over 623,000 Americans died in that conflict. Our soldiers fought and died to achieve international freedom in the World Wars. Over 500,000 U.S. soldiers died in the World Wars. Our soldiers are fighting and dying in modern conflicts to protect our freedoms and achieve those for others as well. Whether you support our commander-in-chief in these wars or not, these soldiers are putting everything on the line to protect each one of us. I supported our troops under President Bush, and I support our troops under President Obama. If you're listening today, or if you've served at any other time, I want you to know that I and many others are so thankful for your service, and we're so thankful for your sacrifice. And as we celebrate here on the 4th of July tomorrow, we are very aware of the reality that it's because of men and women like you that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have as Americans. So thank you for all you've done to protect those. Everything we celebrate on this 4th came at a very high cost, and we should not forget that it will be maintained at a very high cost. Teddy Roosevelt said this country will not be a good place for any of us to live in unless we make it a good place for all of us to live in. What we do now, the battles that we fight, both overseas and the things that we take a stand for here, are what will keep us free as a nation. And we need to remember that as we celebrate. So I'm so thankful 
for all that we celebrate tomorrow. I'm so thankful for the freedoms that we get to experience here. My family moved to Eastern Europe shortly after communism fell, and it was kind of an interesting time in Eastern Europe. We lived in Romania, and Ceausescu, the dictator that had been in power for years, was assassinated. He was taken out of power, and they had elections for the first time in decades. And in those elections, they elected some of the same people that had been leading the country with Ceausescu all along. So it was technically a democratic country, but a whole lot had not changed. It was kind of business as usual, if you know what I mean. I remember one time we needed some phone repairs done. We'd been hearing crackling in our lines, and we'd been hearing voices. We'd be talking on the phone, and we'd hear other voices talking over our conversation. So we asked the phone company to send out some people to fix our phone problem. So the technicians arrived and spent several hours outside and inside trying to locate the problem, trying to see what was wrong, trying to fix our phone for us. Finally, one of the technicians came into our house and said, you know that your phones are bugged, right? And we said, well, we didn't know that, but we do now. Thanks for letting us know. See, we learned very quickly that there was an appearance of freedom, even when that freedom wasn't necessarily there. And so what does it mean to be completely free? That's what I want to talk about today. We're politically free, but what about in other areas? I once heard a joke about somebody that had quit smoking. And he said, it's easy to quit smoking. I've done it seven times. It was a funny joke that illustrates the reality of how hard it is to quit smoking. If that's you, man, I pray that God would give you the strength to quit. But it illustrates the reality that oftentimes we feel like we have freedom over certain things only to find that in reality we are in bondage to them and they actually have control over us. There are so many different things that keep us trapped and that keep us from becoming the people that God has made us to be. So a lot of those things rob us of our personal freedom, even when we enjoy the political freedom that we have in this country. I have let so many of those things keep me from being who God called me to be. I have let fear, wrong expectations, wrong desires, insecurities, my own dreams, my own pride, my own sin, they've all choked my growth and limited me. I have let those things keep me from the freedom that God promises. I know that each one of you has too. See, God wants us all to be truly free. As we celebrate our national freedom tomorrow, my hope is that each one of us would also celebrate a true and authentic personal freedom to really be who God made us to be and to really be able to do all that he's created us to do to fulfill our purpose. So do you really want to be free? I'm sure you do, and I'm right there with you. So what's that going to take? Well, I want to tell you something encouraging. Jesus wants to free you. The Bible tells us that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. See, Christ didn't come just to live a perfect life and just to pay for our sins so that we could just squeak into heaven, but he actually came so that we could live the most free life imaginable here on this earth. So what would that look like? Well, it would be a life free of so many different things that keep us in bondage. For example, are you free of loneliness? A life of freedom would truly be free of loneliness. Our society has told us to follow our hearts 
only to find that the selfishness that that entails and leads to has led to more pain and agony than anyone could imagine. Many people following their hearts have raped young, innocent people. Many people following their hearts have murdered people. Many people following their hearts have robbed and stolen from others. Many people following their hearts have done disastrous and terrible things. The philosophy of following my heart will lead to more trouble than I could ever imagine. And the Bible tells me that. It says my heart is deceitful above all things. My heart lies to me. It tells me that I'll find pleasure in areas that I won't. And when I follow my heart, I cultivate selfishness. And nobody likes to be around selfish people. In fact, that's probably one of the main reasons that so many marriages are falling apart today is we've cultivated this sense of personal satisfaction, of personal pleasure, of doing whatever makes me happy, of following my heart wherever it leads. And that's led a lot of people to cheat on their spouses. That's led a lot of people to neglect their children. It's resulted in terrible things. And then it has resulted in terrible loneliness. Well, God wants us to be free of that loneliness. What about the emotional pain that results from all those different things that we just talked about? Are you free from that emotional pain? See, sin and selfishness have left us depressed, confused, and emotionally unsatisfied. I think I recently saw a stat. I don't want to butcher this. I don't want to get it wrong. But if I'm not mistaken, it said one in five Americans is now clinically depressed. One in five, 20% of the population is now clinically depressed. The reality is that many, many, many of us are living with things like depression and confusion and unsatisfaction, lives of futility, full of emotional pain based on what's been done to us and what we've done to others. So are you free from emotional pain? Jesus desires to free you from emotional pain. What about addictions? So many people are addicted to drugs, alcohol, pornography, entertainment, food, the internet. I know the internet is a huge addiction for this generation and many other things. Whatever else we find ourselves addicted to promises an escape. All those things say this will give you an escape. But in reality, once you buy into that lie, there's no escape from those things. The addiction sets in and you have no more freedom. You are locked in. So are you free from addiction? Jesus desires to give you freedom from addiction. Are you free from being controlled by circumstances? For a lot of us, especially in a hard economy, our circumstances can tend to control us. I live reacting to the circumstances that arise rather than actually taking the initiative and living according to a purpose. A lot of those reactive lifestyles are simply surviving as best we can, reacting to whatever circumstances come. Jesus promised something so much more than being controlled by circumstances. He promised the abundant life. Jesus said, I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly. Before he said that, though, he says the thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. See, when I think about freedom, Jesus is telling me, point blank, I came to give you freedom. And I came to give you an abundant life that goes beyond your circumstances, where even when your circumstances are bad, you can have abundance and joy and hope and peace in me. And then he says, but on the flip side, you have an enemy, Satan, who is stealing, killing, and destroying. So are you free from being controlled by your circumstances? Jesus wants to free you 
from being controlled by those circumstances? Are you free from expectations? So many of us have lived under tremendous expectations for ourselves, by ourselves, and by others, whether it's expectations that you've come up for your own life or expectations others have placed on you. Those can become a burden and a bondage, something that it's hard to escape from. I have to do what other people want me to do to make me happy instead of having complete freedom to be whoever God made me to be and to do whatever God made me to do without living controlled by the expectations of others. So am I free from expectations? Jesus desires to free me and you from expectations that would keep us back. Are you free from fear? Fear of danger? Fear of what other people think? Fear of inadequacy? We talked a few weeks ago about living a fearless life. You can hear that at eternityimpact.blogspot.com. We gave some simple steps that you can take to live fearlessly and to be able to live free of fear. The main point, though, is Matthew 10, 28, where God says, don't fear man or death, but God. So don't fear what other people think or say, and don't fear what other people can do to you, and specifically, don't fear death, but rather fear God. By fearing God, that doesn't mean that I'm scared of him, but rather that I have a respect of him and an awe of him, and that I submit my life to him and let him have the position in my life that he desires to have. That will release me from all other fear. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution here on KDUR, 91.9 and 93.9 FM here in Durango, Colorado, or kdur.org online. We're talking about freedom. Tomorrow's the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, a little early. We're talking about what it truly means to be free. We started off by talking about all that we have in this country and how thankful we are for the men and women that have given everything to give us what we have today. And now I've been asking some probing questions about how free you really are. We're all politically free in this country, but are you truly free? Are you truly free from loneliness, emotional pain, addiction, being controlled by circumstances, expectations, fear, you name it. There are numerous other things that each of us are not free from. And at the top of that list is the issue of sin. Am I free from sin and its consequences both here and eternity? Many long for freedom to do whatever they want, not realizing that that is anything but freedom. See, freedom to do anything I want or to go wherever I choose or to do whatever I choose is not true freedom. We talked about living life following our heart. If we drove that way on the road, imagine if you said, I'm not paying attention to those signs. I'm going to follow my heart. I'm going to do whatever feels good. <laughs> that would result in death and pain for probably yourself and everybody you encountered on the road. The traffic laws and signals that exist on our roads are there to protect us and to give us true freedom. True freedom isn't living outside of those constraints, but rather true freedom is enjoyed when I live within those constraints and when everybody around me does as well. That allows each of us to go forward with real freedom without the fear of being killed in a car crash by somebody following their heart on the road, so to say. See, what initially seems to be freedom is in reality not freedom at all. All of God's laws are there for our own good. If we see something in the Bible, even if I don't like it, it's there for my own good. It's like the fence that goes around my yard that allows my daughters to enjoy the freedom that that yard offers. All the time I have neighbors driving down our road going far beyond the speed limit. 
speeding in a very dangerous way. If my fence was not up, my daughters could easily walk out of our yard and get hit and killed on that road. But that fence, even though it might not seem like freedom, it allows them to play unrestrained in the yard and to enjoy all that that yard has to offer. Those walls, even when they seem like they are the opposite of freedom, are the very thing that allows true freedom to happen. So it's the same thing with what we find in Scripture. G.K. Chesterton put it this way. He said, most modern freedom is at root fear. It's not so much that we are too bold to endure rules. It is rather that we are too timid to endure responsibilities. See, those responsibilities are not restraining. They are really freeing when we live within those responsibilities. When I do it my own way, I and others will suffer. When I do it God's way, we have true freedom. So what happens when I don't do it God's way? That's what the Bible calls sin. The Bible tells us about a sin cycle. It's a cycle where sin traps me and keeps me locked in so I do not have the freedom to escape. And it goes like this. It says, Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So the sin cycle goes desire, temptation, sin, conviction, where I sense that I've sinned, and finally it ends in death, right? Now, here's kind of the way it can go. It can go one of two different ways. When I feel that conviction, when I realize that I've sinned, and the Bible says that's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. Whether you're a believer or not, the Holy Spirit is the one that tells me when I've done wrong. And we all have that realization of when we've done wrong. And we know because God's put his law in our hearts what's right and wrong. No matter what culture somebody's come from, they know certain things are right and certain things are wrong. So when we feel that conviction, we can go one of two ways. We can run away from God, hiding from him, and rationalizing our sin. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They ran from God, they hid from God, and then they rationalized their sin. We do that every single day. When we rationalize our sin, we begin believing a lie. Oh, it wasn't really that big a deal. It wasn't really that wrong. It really wasn't anything. Okay, well, that's believing a lie. And the result of that is bondage and isolation from God and others. And then that cycle keeps repeating itself over and over and over again. The flip side of that coin, the other way we can go, is to run to God, confessing that sin. 1 John 1, 5 through 5-9 talks about that. When we believe the truth instead of rationalizing, the result is freedom and fellowship with God and others. So if I will simply run to God with my sin, confessing that to him, I will experience freedom and fellowship with God and others, friendship with God and others. Too often we pick that first route of running, hiding, and rationalizing. That's kind of the natural human response. Nobody likes to admit, I was wrong, I screwed up, I did something wrong. We hate vulnerability and confrontation, but there's a problem with that. See, when I run, I begin to set in stone that cycle of bondage where I really don't have freedom, where I'm locked in 
to that lifestyle where I'm locked into going the wrong way again next time and then rationalizing again after that and then going even further down the wrong path after that and then rationalizing even more after that and going even further down the path after that. See, that cycle begins to steal any last glimpse of freedom that I had at all. And there's a problem with running away from God. The Bible tells us nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. He sees it all. He sees everything. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. See, we will give an account to God at some point. He knows everything about us, yet, get this, he still loves us. In Matthew 9.36, it tells us that Jesus saw the crowds and saw that they were distressed and that they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were being led astray. And it doesn't say he was mad at them or he was angry at them or he couldn't believe how messed up they were. No, it says that he had compassion on them. So instead of running from a God that I fear because of my sin, I need to run to God knowing that he loves me and has compassion on me regardless of that sin. Through Christ, I can have freedom from sin and its consequences both here and for eternity. Jesus promised, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Did you get that? See, he says that if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Everything goes back to God's truth, to his word. That's why we talk a lot on this show about reasons that you truly can believe, about why you can trust the Bible and all that it says. When I know the truth, when I take Jesus at his word, he tells me that I will find true freedom that no one else can offer. See, lies always keep me in bondage, whereas the truth always sets me free. So come to him, embrace the truth, be set free from anything that would steal your freedom. He goes on to say that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We talked about following our heart. Well, when I follow my heart, when I go my own way, when I do what the Bible calls sin, I find that I am not living in freedom, but rather I am living in slavery. It's not that I can do whatever I want to do, but rather I cannot do what I don't want to do. The Apostle Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 7. He said, the good that I want to do, I never end up being able to do. And the bad that I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. It's the proverbial story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, thinking that I have the power to control all my vices and then finding out that I really do not and that those vices have control over me, and I am not free, but rather a slave to that sin. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you believe in me, if you put your trust in me and believe the truth, you will be set free from all of that that would steal your freedom. So while we're talking about truth and the truth setting us free, I want to ask another question. Are you free to think? And are you free to believe what is true? Or are you locked into believing what everybody else or yourself or your professors or the media have told you you have to believe? See, so many of us have believed only what we've been told we had to believe in order to be accepted. Well, we need to believe the truth regardless of what we've conditioned ourselves to believe we have to believe. So are you free to think? C.S. Lewis put it this way. 
Having an open mind about things that are not foundational is good, but having an open mind about the foundations of either theoretical or practical reason is idiocy. We've come to a point in our society where everybody cherishes an open mind, thinking that there is no higher virtue. But that has gotten us into a place where we quickly question everything. There are benefits to having an open mind in the right areas, and that's what C.S. Lewis is saying here. But when I apply that open-mindedness to every aspect of what I know to be true, I get into serious trouble. I should not have a very open mind about gravity, otherwise I'll die very quickly. So sin promises freedom, but shackles us instead. Many think that they're experiencing freedom, but they're really drowning in a sea of lies. The Bible puts it this way. The Bible talks about everything and everyone that's trying to drag you in to the normal pattern of this world. And it says they promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. See, again, we see the reality here that even when the world says, freedom, 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 follow your heart, the Bible says what's really happening is the people telling you that are slaves to their own depravity and that they're drawing you in to slavery yourself when Jesus alone is offering true freedom. So if you're sitting there today thinking, I want true freedom, I want to be free, I want to be free from loneliness, I want to be free from emotional pain. I want to be free from addiction. I want to be free from being controlled by my circumstances. I want to be free from expectations. I want to be free from fear. And I want to be free from sin and its consequences. Well, if that's you, I have great news for you this morning. Because Jesus says that he offers freedom. And again, he says, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He is the truth, and he desires to set you free. We share this every week, and I'll share it again. God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. But you and I are both sinful and selfish, and we're separated from God. Jesus, God in human flesh, came and lived a perfect life on this earth, and he died on the cross for all of our sins, past, present, and future, so that if we would simply put our trust in him, we could experience true freedom, not just political freedom, but freedom from sin, freedom not just to exist, but freedom to be who God made me to be and freedom to do all that God called me to do. And again, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, the Bible tells us. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In Christ alone, we find true freedom to be who we are created to be and to do what we're here to do, to love without insecurities and to enjoy all of it without regrets. I sure am glad you listened this morning. It's been a great discussion of what it truly means to be free. And as we celebrate the 4th of July tomorrow, I hope you'll celebrate it more than you ever have before, fully aware of all the freedoms that we have as Americans and all the wonderful blessings that we have in this country. It's a lot to celebrate, but I hope that you won't let it end there. I hope that you won't just celebrate freedoms politically. But I hope you'll experience and celebrate freedoms internally, freedoms in your spirit, freedoms in your soul, freedom from sin, freedom to do and to be all God wants you to do and be. Please check out eternityimpact.blogspot.com to check out previous shows and to leave comments or feedback or let us know what you think about the show. 
Again, that's eternityimpact.blogspot.com. I would encourage you to check out Grace Church. They meet at 1440 Florida Road. It's on Florida Road towards the north end of town. They meet at 1045. If you get a chance to stop by and visit Grace Church at 1045 on Florida Road, tell Justin, Bob, and Keith that we say hi. Well, thanks so much for listening. Again, I hope you have a wonderful 4th of July tomorrow, and we'll see you again next week. 